Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruitments, presented by Sooners360.com. Each and every week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting, including offers, evaluations, schedules, opinions, and more. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the 360 Recruiting Podcast. We are talking about the big event this weekend. The big spring game is finally here. I'm Matt. I'm from Sooners 360. I'm joined by Chris Mason, our lead recruiting analyst over at Sooners 360, and Caleb Cummings, a.k.a. Sooner 55, our film guru, breaking down these players that we're going to be talking about as a quick reminder uh, subscribe to the 360 recruiting podcast on your favorite platform of choice we are on all of them and soon to be on youtube as well and thanks again for joining us for this episode we are on episode 26 chris we've got big weekend coming up but before we get to that we had a commit recently what's the latest in ou's recruiting world well, let's not bury the lead. The, the big news is the new commit for 2024, Kelly K.J. Daniels, wide receiver from Louisiana. Uh, he's been, uh, been targeted to OU for sort of most of the spring. Uh, he visited OU this spring. He received his offer. He has kind of a limited offer list. I think it's mainly due to two reasons. LSU, I think a lot of schools were scared off by putting a lot of energy into recruiting him until they knew what LSU was going to do. Uh, and then when OU went left in, I think a lot of programs were also scared off by OU. So I think he hasn't got that many, you know, it's, I think some Sooner fans freaked out when they saw that we beat Cincinnati and Tulane for him. But when you watch him on film and we're going to give Caleb his full runway to do a review here in, a, in our next segment, 
I think you'll see that he's a he's a big pickup for OU. This was a, a long relationship with Emmett Jones. This is probably the first Emmett Jones wide receiver commit, as in Emmett saying, this is my guy, this is the guy I'm going to develop into a superstar. So I think that's really where it, it falls in. He's probably going to be a low, he's going to be a mid-range three-star once the services, now that he's got an OU verbal, will actually rank him. But I think once he, his senior year, once we see some tape, I think he definitely has the potential to possibly be a four-star. So it's a good pickup and it gets wide receiver recruiting kind of rolling. OU uh, had a number of wide receivers they were looking at. Um, one in particular, Isaiah McMorris from Nebraska. Um, nothing, obviously nothing official has come out, but it certainly looks like Daniels has taken the spot that was open for either him or McMorris or a couple of other guys. So um, props, to, props to Daniels for figuring out he wanted to be a Sooner. So you, you mentioned those spots. Uh, how, how many spots do you think are left for wide receivers in this class? I'm having a hard time projecting more than three. And so Daniels now has the one, has one spot, and he's kind of the smaller speed guy. Uh, if you guys listen to the podcast, you know last week Caleb correctly kind of identifying the two body types that he thinks Emmett Jones and Levy want for this offense. Big guys, 6'2", 6'3", 190 pounds, or super speed guys, 5'10", you know, 5'11", 175 pounds, but just burners. And KJ, uh, KJ went to one of the Under Armour camps that were going around the country nationally, and he posted a 4-4-3 laser 40 time. That's the third fastest time from all of the Under Armour camps around the country. The only two players ahead of him are 2025 Alabama verbal and five-star player, top 10 player in the country, Ryan Williams, and a Texas slot receiver by the name of Terry Boosie who OU's trying to recruit, and he may be the number, he's probably the number one athlete in the country for 2024. So Daniels is an elite, and those both those guys are elite track stars. Daniels has only posted, I'm saying only, because um, a 10, 900 meter time, you know, for his junior year in high school is, that's not bad, that's, that's moving. Uh, I know we've got guys like Durham and 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 Boosie and other guys are just posted insane times, but you know, ten nine for a high school for a high school junior is moving, uh, as uh, Barry Wise tells me. So, um, so he's he's set up very well, and he's looked really great at camps. So, I think it's uh, it's it's a verbal that's going to mature through this process very well. So Daniel's nabs one of those spots. Uh, we have about well. We don't really, we're not really sure, but we're going to estimate about 22 spots out there still available. We've had two a lot more, of two more for wide receivers, two more and for, two, wide, and receivers. Two more for, for wide receivers. And so there has been some recent OU crystal ball slash predictions out there. Uh, Chris, I believe some of those are for those other two wide receiver spots, as well as some of the others out there. What's, what's going on in the prediction world? Yeah, and I'm going to limit this to the high school stuff. We're going to get to portal stuff in the next segment because it's a, it's, it's a little more funky. But in terms of high school 2024 talent, uh, the biggest thing that's occurred over the last week is there have been several crystal balls for OU to get Zion Kearney. If you've been paying attention to this podcast, you know that's the number one guy on 
Caleb's board, and he's the number two guy on my board, and he's a fantastic looking wide receiver. The next thing that's been going on is on3.com sort of has this tracking verbal radar thing they call, they, they, they do. And the West Code OU part of that is just like gone up like 10 to 20 percentage points. They now have him target to OU something like 85% to OU and 15% to a bunch of other schools. So the West Coast stuff is building and, and on three made a Wesco prediction to OU as well. So the two top targets in OU's wide receiver board, I remember Bryant Wesco is going to be a five-star once all the updates kind of process out. And Kearney is top 75, and he's probably underrated at top 75. So those two guys. And then very interesting, a bunch of predictions for OU for Joseph Jonah uh, Ayonje, the defensive end out pass rusher from Conroe, Texas, who's vaulting up the, the recruiting rankings and, and a little bit more of a tease next segment. We're going to talk about that in depth. And, and then uh, David Stone, um, the on three tracking system is now pushing OU as the favorite. They'd been kind of floating around with Michigan state, moving all these other numbers around, but they're now pushing OU ahead of everybody. And that's definitely the trend line that's out there in terms of the sort of the recruiting space is that OU is sort of pushing, uh, pushing big movement there. And then some guy that, and then, another, well, I'm sorry, not some guy, then the last player that is getting a, just a massive amount of predictions is Isaiah Autry. And he's actually announcing tomorrow. And he's, uh, he's a six foot six, 280 pound offensive tackle from Mississippi uh, related to Marcus Dupree. I think he's like a second cousin. Uh, he's a big kid on film. We've, we've reviewed him. Uh, we like him, you know, you know, it's another big, big athletic guy with a little bit of a nasty temperament for Bill to build on. So if that was to happen, um, and he's announcing tomorrow and he's visiting for the spring game. So sometimes recruiting is as simple as two and two equals four. And I think this is a case of when four Mississippi regional writer specialists all predict him going to OU and they have high rankings on that, on that, on the strength of that commitment prediction. And he's announcing tomorrow and he's going to be in Norman on Saturday. Uh, I, I don't want to put it in the, put it in the wind column, but I, I think it's pretty obvious where that's going. All right. Well, Autry will definitely be one to watch for, as you mentioned, he will be in Norman this weekend. Some of these other names you've just mentioned, we have on the list as well. Chris, what, what's it going to look like this weekend for the 2024 class and maybe some 2025 guys? Yeah, 2024, it's looking really strong. First off is David Stone. It's great to get him back on campus, get him at a spring game. Then Nigel Smith, who hasn't been on campus since uh, late January, so it's nice to, for him to roll back on campus. Then again, Jonah, sorry, Joseph Jonah, Ayanje, who I, who I may probably start calling JJA for, for, for my own pronunciation health. Um, and then Zion Kearney, probably Brian Wesco, definitely Caden Durham. Uh, KJ Daniels is coming back. Eli Bowen, Jaden Hardy are also probably going to be on campus. Michael Boganowski, the big safety linebacker from, uh, from Kansas. 
And then for 2024, it looks like OU is going to get number one five-star talent, Decorian Moore, uh, fringe five-star Dejon Petaway. These are both, uh, Decorian Moore is from Duncanville. He's a wide receiver. Uh, Dejon Petaway is a cornerback from Katy. Uh, and then it looks like, you know, there's also some 26 kids coming in and then there's a 27 quarterback who's visiting. And that, it's just kind of, um, that's an eighth grader, right? <laughs> I don't even like talking 2025. So you can just count me out on 2027. That's an eighth grader, right? Do I have my math right? I think so. Cause isn't Sperry's brother, a Kevin Sperry's brother is a yeah. 27 guy as well. And I think, I think he just completed his eighth grade season. So should yeah, be a freshman so, in the fall. Yeah. This is crazy. This is crazy. Yeah. This is crazy time. But Kevin Sperry should also be there. Kevin just got re-ranked by one of the services. He's now the number 175 player in the nation. That move is only going to go up. I would imagine by the time he's, by the time we're looking at his his recruiting, really, well, not his recruiting since he's going to OU. I think by next next spring, next summer, he's going to be like a top 100, top 50 kid. So the spring game has got lots of guys. Sam Omusigo's in town, uh, Logan Howland. Uh, so we've got a, several of the 20, uh, 23 kids who haven't enrolled yet are coming in as well. So it's... Oh, you've got like lots of kids coming in, but they got lots of resources to keep track of them. And the, and the spring game with Kyler and all the alums, it, it's, it's interesting with some of these guys. And I'll hit this a little bit later. We got a lot of guys coming in who visited OU in January or early March and are now back coming to OU. And in that stretch of time, they've been to a lot of different places. So they've been to OU compared it to other places and now are coming back for the spring game. So I think it puts a number of kids on uh, commitment watch and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Well, it'll be a, a huge weekend. Like you mentioned, we got some alums in town. We got the Kyler statue unveiling. Uh, we'll have some instant reaction for you guys after the game and definitely keep checking out Sooners360.com for any updated changes to that spring game list. Uh, hopefully, I'm, I'm assuming we'll be adding some more as we get a little bit closer and can verify some of those. So keep your eye on that. Uh, we can't wait to check out the spring game this weekend. Uh, next, let's get into, you know, we'll circle back a little bit to talk about Kelly KJ Daniels. Uh, we'll bring Caleb in for some of his analysis here. Uh, Caleb, what what are your thoughts on the Louisiana wide receiver? Hey, I think I think first thought is he's a really good fit. Uh, you know, I, I think it's whether it's NFL or like college, right? I think that's something that gets a little bit lost on these recruiting boards. Uh, I take it back. It gets lost more so on the college stage. You know, NFL teams are going to put together their board based on their needs, but also based on scheme fit, right? Does this guy fit what we do in any number of boxes here we want to check? I think sometimes that gets lost with, you know, uh, the recruiting rankings because, you know, something that's always made college football fun is the, the variation of schemes everybody runs, right? Somebody may run, you know, more of a ground-based option, although I think the NCAA is trying to kill that with the new rule. If you can't cut block, just, I don't know, it's ridiculous, but, uh, 
you know, so it just, you see large variations in schemes oftentimes. And there is a variation. I think when you people think of a slot receiver, the first thing oftentimes that pops in people's mind is those terms of, Hey, he's, he's quicker than he is fast. He's a, you know, he's a lunch pail guy. They think of like Wes Welker, right? Guys that aren't going to stretch you vertically, but underneath they're going to wiggle free. They're going to find a hole in the zone. They're going to set in it. They're going to exploit it. And they're just going to eat you up, right? It's, it's death by a thousand cuts where I think it's, Something that to me it's it's very different with uh, the offense that Oklahoma runs, you know. So Levy's veer and shoot, we always talk about, right? Is that's that's not really the case oftentimes for the slot receiver. It's not a, a position where it's hey, go find open space and set down. It's it's they want to attack vertically, right? So you see a lot of like corners or posts. You see a lot of fades. Uh, a good amount of, you know, some comeback or curl routes uh, off of that, if you can, but really that's built off of a key where, Hey, if I can get to the corner, get to his hip, if I can reach out and touch him. He turns and he goes to run. I break this off into a curl or I break this off into a comeback, right? Everything is, you know, option routes is, is what it is, but those option routes are really built on stress vertically, stress vertically, stress vertically. That's where I look at like Daniels. It's where he's such a good fit. Like his gait, and I think Barry could probably talk about this. The, the way he's built and his gait and the way he runs actually reminds me of like Devin Hester in that build, right? It's very like, it's a straight line, explosive, like vertical up the field game that he, that he plays. I think he fits extremely well into what they want to do. You know, he's the type of guy that in that slot, you can have him break off with a, a slant or, you know, or, or take a post route and he's able to beat those defenders, stretch the defense vertically and really kind of peel back that shell, which then opens up everything underneath. So I think from a fit perspective, don't really care. I, I think that Chris is right. I think he'll probably be the, uh, a mid, a mid three-star because he's not really big. I do think he's heavier than 150 pounds because you look at him, you know, in his, in his pictures at, at 5'10 and 150 pounds, like he, that was like Hollywood Brown. That's really, really, really skinny. And he doesn't look that skinny, uh, you know. And his, high, and his highlights, he's also fighting through tackles. So he's. Yeah, I think I mentioned that whenever we did the kind of the receiver board breakdown last yeah. week and I had him and, and Reagan's ranked low. And I was like, well, it's because their size, you know, I even like I even commented with him. It's like at the same time he's listed 150 pounds and maybe his second or third highlight, you see him like take it kind of up the gut, you know, on like a wildcat or maybe it's just a, you know, just a really quick screen. And he does, he bounces off a linebacker and a safety and runs through a tackle. So yeah, I don't think the 153 or 151 pounds is accurate. Uh, but no, I mean, he's uh what Oklahoma lacked last year, I thought and it showed up a lot, was the inability to separate, you know, uh, and create space from a lack of speed with the receivers. And like they're addressing that, you know, it's, uh, you know, like, like Chris mentioned, we're seeing, you know, two kind of types, right? Some a little bit bigger can really bully some folks, uh, but still run. And then guys that are just, yeah, hey, it's, it's all about speed, you know, like as, uh, you know, it's just that, you know, that's what it is. It's badass American speed. He brings it. All right. We, we touched on it a little bit already, uh, Chris, but what does Daniels mean for the wide receiver class of 2024? Well, I think it really sets up, if it's a three-player class, 
it really just puts all the focus on Bryant Wesco and Zion Kearney, which OU appears to be building great momentum with. And if Zion was to pull the trigger um, soon, then all of a sudden OU's just got all their energy focused on Bryant Wesco. And Emmett Jones, you know, if he lands Wesco, can, you know, call it a day, smoke a cigar, drink, you know, have a couple of tequila shots and say, this is what, this is what having a real wide position, wide receiver coach does for you. And, and then jump immediately to 25 and Decorey and Moore and Isaiah Mosey and Grayson Harris and just all these other studs for, um, for 25 that he's got in his sort of crosshairs. So uh, he kind of can, just like DeMarco Murray has been putting running back recruiting to bed by around August 1st, you know, there's a chance that Emmett can do the same thing at wide receiver recruiting, which would be nice for sooner. We've had some, you know, our wide recruiting uh, issues over the last couple of years have been a little unstable, I think maybe is the best word for that. Um, frenetic, perhaps, is would be another word. Annoying, think, possibly. <laughs> sure, under, under, and- under, undersigned would be another word. Um, so an underachieving. Sure, let's just, just put those all together. But from a recruiting standpoint, um, you know, it would be it would be nice that our established wide receiver coach has put the wide receiver class to bed by August 1st. And that's looking like a real possibility. Does a fourth name pop up? There are certainly guys out there where you would be hard-pressed to turn them away. Um, so we'll see what happens with that over the next sort of 60, over the next 60 days. And also see how the NCAA changes some of these rules on the fly, like they have enjoyed doing over the past few years. Um, yeah, so we'll the, see about that. Yeah, yeah. Unlimited and official visits for the kids. It's crazy. It's crazy. I do, though, I wonder this, the fact that they didn't change it for the school. So that oh, school still correct. has the ability to go to them and say, hey, like, yeah, you can take all the visits you want. But the reality is we're going to fill up and you're, you know, uh, so you can't visit us. I, I, I said this thing on the board. I think there'll be some schools that are desperate for kids that don't sign real well. And uh, I'll be they'll, honest they'll with throw you. Visit, they'll throw visits at them. Yeah, there'll be someone like, and I don't mean that I'm not throwing this shot at them because, you know, because it's it's Lincoln Riley. But that, that's the type of school in my mind because we saw it, right? We're like, when he was at Oklahoma, there would be this hopium that was being smoked on elite guys late in the process. And it was like, Hey, you're ignoring these guys. You should be signing that are really good, hoping you'll land these guys. And I can just see them being one of those groups where, Hey, this kid's looking to take his eighth official. Well, let's go ahead and burn one. Maybe we can get him, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm, when, I'm not when, looking forward to, to five-star defensive tackle insert name on his 15th official, you know, 15th official visit before you know, he decides, hey, I'm going to sign in February. I'll, I'll, yeah. take four, I'll take four more in January and and rack up more swag. And I'm, I will bored. Say, I'm bored. What am I else am I going to do? I'll just go. I'll just start flying. You know, you know, I'm like the uh, I'll go. Vi- I'll, I'll, I'll go visit USC. Right. I'll go hang out in Hollywood for a weekend. I do think that is somewhat of a disqualifier for guys. For It would be for me. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're talking about, hey, let's check the boxes. And character is one of those boxes, you know, and guys that are doing that, it's one of those you look at it and go, okay, I have some concern here. There are red flags. How serious are you? How bought in are you going to be? You know, is this just a a silly game to you? Are you taking your college experience and, you know, are you taking it serious? Like, are you serious? You know, or in it for 
you know, obviously some of these guys are getting their pockets lined every time they, they show up on a campus. So if a guy is, is taking 20 visits to Miami, Oregon, USC, A&M, you know, at, at some point you got to be like, Hmm, there's some other things going on here and maybe he's just not a fit for our culture. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're gonna have, we'll have a discussion on that here coming up. So we will we right. won't burn that too much, but we will stay with wide receivers, but we'll move to a different type of wide receiver recruiting. Chris, the portal is back. Unfortunately, um, we're going to have to be talking about it over the next couple like, months. Uh, a couple of these programs have ended their spring last week and the portal is open again. Now we did make a recent prediction that you sent out Chris on wide receiver Brennan Thompson from Texas. What's going on with that recruiting? So, so first off, I, I'm saying the portal's kind of like a horror movie villain. You think it's dead and then it rises back, <laughs> comes back. So think about whether the portal is, 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 is Michael Myers or is it, is it Jason with the hockey mask or, or is it Freddy Krueger? I'm, I'm not sure which one, but it's definitely, or is it like the chainsaw killer? Is it a, We'll go with the Either. hockey mask. You know, the stars, we got to give some, All right. okay, the stars sure. some love, All right. some playoff love. So that's definitely works. So it's like Jason, you think he's dead and he just comes back. So, so Brandon Thompson is a guy who I just, as our 360.com, our, our sources are indicating that OU is going to land Brandon Thompson. He's on campus this weekend for the OU spring game. He might take a couple other visits. I don't think that will actually happen, but we'll see. He's, He's from Texas. So this is like a, you know, OU, OU could potentially have former OSU Aggies and Longhorns on their roster this fall. And I'm not really sure how I feel about that overall, but th this is the portal world we live in. So, so Brandon Thompson's a speedster, uh, 5'10, 175 pounds. In high school, he ran a 10, 200 meters. Uh, on Twitter, he's claiming a 10-0, right? Well, he runs on the Texas track team. So my assumption when I saw that was he's, you know, as they're in their spring track season, in practice, he's probably run that. Because I, I, I look to see what he, he posted, hasn't posted in any meets, yeah. and he hasn't posted anything in any meets. So I'm going to assume at some point in that he's he's ran 10-0. All right. Well, so he's fast. By any by any char characteristic or, or, or measurement we have, he is fast. Um, I like Caleb talking about him a little bit, but just one more thing. I felt like his high school recruiting, he really wanted to go to OU. OU got those three quick wide receiver verbals, the, the disappearing three of Jordan Hudson, Luther Burden, and Taylor Shetron. And OU was full. And I think Brennan was kind of going through his recruiting and he was about to, he got hurt. He kind of threw off his recruiting a little bit. And I think he he felt like, he didn't have a spot and he wanted a big spot And Texas back then was, this is kind of the, the whole, um, you know, what were they going to fire their coach? Were they not going to fire their coach? Were they bringing in Sark? Were they going to keep Herman? And I think he kind of landed at Texas. That's not where he wanted to be. So I think Brennan's kind of looking at the window, looking at OU, needing a wide receiver. I think he has a lot of Emmett Jones connections. Emmett again has, serious connections throughout Texas. There's not going to be like a big, big time, you know, wide receiver out there from Texas in the last four years who doesn't know Emmett Jones. Like Emmett Jones has not recruited them. So 
I think that's playing a big role in this. And I also think it's Emmett Jones saying, hey, I, I know I can get everything out of Brennan Thompson. I know Brennan. He's going to click with me. Oh, you take this gamble because I'm going to turn, I'm going to get that 10 2 speed on the field for you. And he's going to make big plays for us. So he's got three years. This isn't oh, like a, a, a stop gap. This is a guy who I think Emmett Jones is, is telling Lebby and Brent Venables, get him on campus, get him in that system. I'm, I'm going to make him a star. Cause he, I mean, at one point he was like a top 50 kid in the country and then he moved a little bit up and down, but he was, he was that rated high. He was like the number one athlete kind of type for 20, uh, 2022 at one point. So uh, this is, this is a, there's a lot of talent here. Um, I'll let Caleb talk about what he did at Texas though. Cause it's not a lot. <laughs> no, it's, it's really not. Uh, I think you summed it up really well. Uh, was a kid that everyone kind of had pegged to Oklahoma, you know, so Spearman's not big Spearman links. It's like the North, uh, North, far North panhandle of Texas. Uh, so close to the Oklahoma border there. Uh, and he was kid played, I think he's a quarterback as a sophomore uh, for a three, a school junior year. He, and he was good, you know, played as a freshman as well. But in junior year, he absolutely blew up uh, great year, played all over running back receiver quarterback, did everything. And then again, yeah, you look at those track times and you know, I think his uh, even in his junior, he was running, you know, 10, five, 10, it was on like 10, five, 10, four as a junior, his top three times, his senior year, it was uh, 10, two, two, 10, two, four, 10, two, nine. So top three times, all sub 10, three. Uh, so just a guy that can absolutely fly. But to your point, he didn't do much at Texas. Uh, he played, he played eight games, caught one ball. I think it was 54 snaps is what he had total throughout the year. Uh, which oddly enough, I think of the 54 snaps, uh, 40 plus were as an outside receiver, as opposed to a slot receiver. I think you nailed it on Emmett Jones having a long relationship with him. Uh, Emmett having been at Texas Tech before in a, you know, uh, I mean, he was there years ago in a, in a recruiting capacity and then as a position coach, then Kansas and then back to Texas Tech. Uh, you know, he, he knows he knows that area. The Texas Panhandle is a really good area or for whatever, what number of kids come out of there has been right for, for Texas Tech. Uh, so, I, what I like about him is just, and it goes back and kind of take pretty much everything I said about Daniels and you could put Thompson in that and say, okay, look, from a, from a skill perspective, from a fit perspective, what he does completely fits what Oklahoma wants to do. And it really fits one of those key traits, the Oklahoma offense, particularly at receiver was lacking, which was just a speedster, like a burner that whether you're getting into him in a quick game underneath and letting him run, you know, cause that was the one catch he had against Oklahoma state. It was a quick screen. He took it, you know, uh, caught it behind the line and, and ran, I think it was like 33, 34 yard reception, you know? So, I really like the the upside of it. Uh, will it, you know, if he ends up in, in Norman, how that goes, sometimes you never, I mean, with any of these kids, right? Everybody comes in with, you know, accolades and you were the best in, at your school and your best in your conference and, and all of those things, you know, it doesn't pan out. We'll, we'll see. But another thing that, that dawned on me, uh, I think maybe Ned was asking this on the board, like, hey, thoughts is 
you know, when you look at what Oklahoma lost close to signing day, you know, it was uh, it was an Anthony Evans, the, the kid out of Converse Judson. In a lot of ways, Thompson and Evans, you know. Mirror images, right? Mirror images, yeah. Both of them almost the exact same size. Uh, Thompson faster on the track by, you know, Oh, I mean, difference between 10-4 and 10-2 is, is a decent amount. But if you're running, if you're running 10-4 or better, like you're just really fast. So I, I you know, I, I feel like for a slow guy, that's splitting hairs. But that's what they were, right? Is they are guys that are going to be able to push it, push the ball vertically, and uh, you know, it's something Oklahoma wants to do. So he he definitely fits the bill there. And I always, you know, makes me think back to you know when Al Davis was with. Uh, when he had the Raiders, that was one of the things he always believed in was we're going to push the ball vertically, you know, two times a quarter, eight, you know, eight times a game. And if we hit two of those, it's like his odds were his odds, his what he thought was we'll hit two and on two we'll get pass interference. So, you know, of course the NFL rule for, for, for PI is a little bit different than college, but, you know, it was just from a strategic standpoint, like let's put speed on the field and, and stress, stress people, you know, vertically and horizontally and he Thompson would he would add that I, I think he'd have a chance depending on how he picked up on the offense how quickly he could and his time at Texas should help him because you know we can say what we want to say about Sark you know it's a he's a really good offensive mind runs a good scheme so you'd think that would help him and give him a really good chance to come in and compete uh with you know with Stoops and, and Gavin uh to to play so do you see him uh, in the slot or on, on outside or just kind of moving around based on, uh, you know, the scheme for that or that game plan for that day? I probably both, probably both. I think uh, you're putting him where you want to try to stress the defense vertically, right? So if you've got someone in the slot underneath that, you know, I, I kind of mentioned before, a lot, some of the concepts they'll do it is to, Right, stretch vertically, and then the underneath guy will, will will stress them horizontally, and you really open the field wide open. And that's where you know when you have a, a quarterback that can run the ball as well, it becomes like all hell kind of breaks loose because you've got a light box, you've got a hat on a hat in the box, and now I've just really opened the field up, you know, uh, in every way. So I, yeah, I think he's a guy that you'd play in both. I think he would because of his vertical ability, you can definitely you'd be able to throw him in the outside and just say, all right. So like what they did with Marvin, right? You put him on the outside and run go balls too, and and you're able to really open things up. It it would be, I mean, if he signs with Oklahoma or however the transfer thing works, I don't know if you sign. Uh, you just re you just you just re enroll. That's why the commitment stuff is a little a little yeah. vague because you could literally <laughs> he could literally like you know he could literally like two days before he's supposed to enroll it. Oh, you say eh, I'm going somewhere else. You'd be like yeah, I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna okay, go all right. It's just. That's what like, uh, Ethan White, that transfer from Florida that was supposed to go to USC, he's saying, you know, maybe not. He might not even play football. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. I mean, so it's basically that's part of the portal mechanics. Like this, the, the portal window is only to get into the portal, right? Okay, that's, and that's, right. that's so that's that ends the end of this month, and that means you can be eligible this fall. It has nothing to do with when you show up on campus, <laughs> and 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 you are now committed to that you know you're now enrolled in that school and stuck with that school so and that's like mid-june right because most I mean summer summer semester summer quarters are usually june 15th ish yeah yeah something yeah. like that so so he's lit i mean you know he's got obviously finished his academic work at texas and that semester probably ends 
you know, maybe mid mid May, something like that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the weird thing with the portal. It was like I see all these committed here. I'm like, eh, well, you know, it's it's you're, you're Twitter committed. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. I mean, look uh, at Walter Walter Rouse. That's actually a good example, right? But I mean, exactly committed, to, committed to Nebraska and then decides, you know, hey, uh, two day two days before he needs to get to Norman. I'm gonna yeah. flip. I'm gonna, I'm gonna flip. Gonna, yeah. Nebraska's like, uh, what? So yeah, it's. <laughs> The, Which, the portal's its own monster and villain uh, that, that high school recruiting just isn't. High school recruiting is a different monster. It's like something else, but the portal's yeah. a little bit like, you know, it is like it's it's got the hockey mask. It's got the machete. You, you've electrified it in a pool of acid and you think you're good. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you turn around and, and, and he gets back up and takes a swing at you. So. Yeah. Matt's your question. I think, I think he could, I, he, for lots of reasons, you know, I mean, he was not an early enrollee to Texas. So all the, obviously, you know, so those top track times were from the spring season. I think he won state, uh, you know, in three a, so yeah. he, he, you know, he's not. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say there is he's not someone I look at and say, gosh, you know, that's a really big flyer. There's a lot of questions about him. Like well, he wasn't any good in college. You really look at him and you're like, okay, here's a top recruit was her as a senior, uh, went to Texas, enrolled in June, went through the summer, found his way, was able to work his way on the field to what people thought was a pretty good receiver core and played for Texas, you know, didn't redshirt. They liked him. You know, I know the Texas folks have said, you know, they all thought he was super talented. And it was this was not a case of here's a kid that can't play here and we're just going to force him out to open up a scholarship. It was It's a case of, you know, here's a kid that probably never wanted to be at Texas from a culture fit. And, you know, Chris, I think you nailed it, right. It just with how things happen with, with Riley and Simmons at Oklahoma and Simmons just completely checking out and deciding not to recruit receivers after he lost all those kids, you know, yeah. and we all, we all know why they, they, they knew they were moving on. And, and so he, he probably wanted to save those relationships uh, for, for USC and try to get them on board there, but, but he didn't, you know, Brennan found himself not at Oklahoma. But I, the thing that really is intriguing about him is, is obviously the speed, but it's also if he lands in Oklahoma, you could look and you could pull back really quickly and you could find yourself saying, gosh, you know, a team last year that struggled to separate and struggled to run and probably had one guy in Marvin Mims that could really beat you vertically. You could say, okay, well, now with, you know, Petaway coming in with Thompson on campus and then with, uh, Anthony, Andrell Anthony here. Hey, you've got, you've got three guys that can absolutely fly. And, 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 you know, I, I, I know his times weren't, his times weren't sub 10, five or in the 10, four range, you know, but, but Gavin Freeman was a hundred meter state champion in high school that ran 10 nines. So, and he's all word is he's coming on. I think it would be, it could be really helpful in in helping uh, Oklahoma continually rebuild that receiver room and, and add, add speed to it. Well, for now, we've got a prediction out there. We think Brennan Thompson will commit to OU and potentially enroll uh, early in that uh, summer period. Chris, are there any other portal guys you've got your eyes on right now? Well, we'll get to the we'll get to the juicy the juicy meat here in a minute. Troy Everett is a center from App State. He's about 6'3", 290, freshman All American. He's got lots of offers. He hit the portal and had like twenty two offers and a and a steak dinner. That was the, the article in The Athletic. They did a nice little feature on him. Like, 
unknown kid from App State hits the portal and everybody in Division One football knows who the hell he is. It's like, yep. Um, so he may be in Norman this weekend for the spring game. So that's kind of fascinating considering I wouldn't have said offensive center was the number one portal need on this roster. But if you have a good backup center situation, you can redshirt um, Bates maybe. Bates has also played some... Josh Bates has played some guard this spring as well, showing a lot of flexibility. So that would give you a lot of flexibility behind Rain. And I think we're all hoping Rain has a great summer workout, gets stronger, gets more physical, and and is healthy, but that's not really been his MO. So that's an interesting one to track because there's a lot of people in college football who I think have taken a look at their offensive line and say, I'd be much better with a much better center because, you know, because then you can, because obviously you can move some centers around to guard, right. And, and do some of these things. So he's, he's sort of in play. Then there are some linebackers OU's looking at um, these guys, Rian Davis from Georgia. He has an OU offer. He hasn't really mentioned that. Our sources tell us that OU's looking at him. They, they're talking to him. He's 6'3", 230. He's more of an outside linebacker from high school. He's been very injured at Georgia, stuck around, played well. I'm not sure what he has left in the tank, but he would be an interesting piece to plug in. And then the Jackson State uh, linebacker, Durante Davis, he's about six foot, 220, 225, 230, was pretty productive last year. He's one of the few Jackson State players not relocating to the, the primetime high in, 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 Boulder, in Boulder, Colorado. Um, so OU is kicking the tires there, trying to figure out what they want at linebacker. And then obviously the big, the big tamale, the big kahuna, the big cheese, whatever terms you want to use from airplane, you know, a number one king of New York is Bear Alexander, the top 50, 6'3, 310 defensive tackle from well, from all over Dallas during high school. He was at he was at Denton. Skyline, and it was a place before that I'm forgetting. Uh, and then he played IMG his senior year of high school. He also dominated the college football playoffs, kind of arguably outplayed Jalen Carter. As a true uh, freshman. As a true freshman for Georgia. So this is, this is the unicorn. This is the, this is the beast that never shows up in the portal, never shows up in play. And he looks like he's as of as of us recording this, he's probably heading to USC. That's the that's the thought. But he just posted something on Twitter where he's clearly indicating OU contacted him. Our sources said OU contacted him. OU is like, all right, let's let's see if we can make a connection here. But there's a there's a lot there's a lot of history with Alexander. That's that's that a certain Twitter poster has detailed in. And 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 many many tweets, so we won't go into all of that. But he's the ultimate risk reward guy. Um, in my five thoughts article that got published on our message board uh, today, uh, I kind of talked about. I think oh, you should take the plunge, Caleb and Matt. What do you think? Because there's there are red flags there, but um, the reward is also huge. I mean, I think you just nailed it right there with that last little part where the upside is immense. His ceiling is 
you know, first round top 10 NFL draft pick. Um, he would definitely transform this defense. Uh, but again, Brent Venables is trying to establish a certain culture. He's waiting for the exact right guys. So it, it it's definitely a predicament there because I mean, again, he's, he's, the potential is, is out of this world. Uh, the red flags are there. You mentioned four different high schools, and now he's going to be on his sixth school in six years. And when you think about it that way, that's a little ridiculous. Normally, I would say no. Usually, usually basketball players do this. Like, usually AAU basketball guys. Yeah, from, bouncing from, around. Are bouncing around from high schools, and in their senior year, they end up at some bath, some academy in a strip mall. Um, yeah. And, and somehow get eligible, but it's not, you don't usually see this in football. No, you don't. And, and so I think with just about any other prospect, I would probably say no. I mean, we've talked about uh, who's the running back that is uh, in this class that Stacy Gage. Yeah. We're not uh, sure what OU, where OU is with him. Right. We don't know. Right. And, and he's moving around. He's on his fourth high school. That's Tavani a red flag Mizell to me. Tavani Mizell just moved again. Yeah. Same, same thing. Those guys aren't five-star top 10 NFL draft potential players. Bear Alexander is, and his name is Bear. I think that's pretty cool too. I think it's worth the risk. If it doesn't work out, he'll switch schools again. It's not like he's never done that before. Uh, They can get him out of there. Uh, So I think there might be some off-field concerns with Bear, but he seems like a good kid. He, he might've been put in a bad situation uh, back in high school. You know, some of this could have been not his fault at all. So I think he's definitely worth kicking the tires on. He's definitely worth the coaches reaching out to him, getting to know him a little bit. I'm sure Jay Valai probably knew him. I'm sure Todd Bates knew him. Uh, recruiting Billy Bowman. Defensive. Billy Bowman, Billy Bowman played, played, played with him. him. Yep. Um, so there's definitely some data there. Uh, that can could allow OU to make a good informed decision on whether or not he is a take. Now, like you said, it sounds like he is leaning towards USC very heavily. Uh, he did have, uh, was, it, was it his uncle or somebody close to him? Guardian. His guardian was uh, at, at USC spring game last weekend. So, you know, Chris, like you mentioned earlier, two plus two, sometimes just four based on what you're seeing. But I I think he's a take. I would plug him right into that defense. Uh, you know, it'd be a whole, almost a whole defensive line full of, of transfers, but with the poor results we saw last year and you add both Royd, you add trace Ford, you add Jacob Lacey for some depth and you bring in bear Alexander, your defense overnight is automatically a big 12 championship contender and possibly a playoff contender worth the risk to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm similar boat uh, with Matt in 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 that right. The the devil's in the details. Uh, I would, you know, I mean, he love- flashes. Don't recruit your own problems, right? I mean, let's just be honest. He's leaving a national championship Georgia team where he's receiving good coaching. Yeah, I think my assumption there is, and I mean, I hate ever beating around the bush and and just not, you know, not being like forthcoming. 
I think everyone knows the reason he's looking at leaving Georgia is because USC tampered and they've tampered with the t- they offering a really big bag. It's the exact same thing they did with, you know, he said like unicorn. I kind of smiled and thought to myself, the unicorn last year was the receiver out of Pitt, who was, yeah. you know, was, Jordan Addison was an yeah. elite kid, right? You're talking about an elite kid that's playing in an Belitnikoff NFL offense. Belitnikoff one, returning went in. Yeah, and he goes to USC for a big bag of cash and has something like 1,100 yards less receiving than he yeah. did. Yeah. You know, he went from like surefire first rounder to now like, yeah, he's he's just a name getting mentioned along with like a whole group of receivers. He and he still may yeah. go late first. It's but it's not. He's he's nowhere near what he was you know thought of you know coming out of last year. And then that's what this is, right? It, this just reeks of, uh, it, well, everybody knows what it is, right? It's USC tampering, Lincoln Riley. You know what he, and we see it, we probably saw it in Oklahoma. We, Oklahoma, we did the exact same thing with Mike Woods. Oklahoma had injuries and they had kids that leave at receiver. And the moment Arkansas spring game is over, their best receiver, Mike Woods, hops in the portal and transfers directly to Oklahoma. And it was because- And has, a poor, and has a poor season. Yeah, his, his high school trainer was good friends with with Simmons, and they worked something out behind the behind the scenes, and they got him in literally the next day. And that's what this is. You know, Lincoln doesn't like to build through recruiting. We saw that. You'd hold scholarships over and over and over, tried to recruit just the elite kids. Can't land the elite kids because you're not an elite recruiter. But, hey, money can talk, so let's go buy the elite kids. So right where I'm with on this is – is it bear or is it the people around bear? Like, is it bear or is it, you know, adults, his guardian? Right? Yeah. And, the, and it's the, the same you know, thing. It's not kind the of, kids. It's the, it's not the kids. It's always the adults in the room, right? That's, yeah, it's, it's the leeches that's, that's the, and the hangers on, you know, yeah. that are driving this to be like, Hey, go do this. And that's where I wonder because, you know, booty was the same thing where, but it's a different scenario. I don't know why booty, John, you know, uh, general booty played at four high schools in four years you know, for high school was it was his dad, his job, just moving around, moved a lot. And that was the way it worked out. Were they moving because couldn't get along with high school coaches and they wanted him in certain systems? Like, what was that? But Oklahoma took that. And it's generally, you know, from a depth perspective, it's working out with general booty right now. Uh, I, I'm with Matt. I, I think the juice is worth the squeeze in that regard. And I mean, <laughs> Like NIL is just a part of recruiting now and it's a part of the world. And so I think it sounds, I feel bad, I feel icky saying this. Uh, if Oklahoma matches an NIL package or exceeds an NIL package that USC wanted to offer and you gave Bear that money, I think it's a really good chance that he shows up. He's a good kid and he's a great player. And if you're paying him and you're paying those around him, he plays stays two years and then goes off to the NFL as a first round draft pick, you know, so it doesn't seem like I know there was rumor there was talk of he got in a fight uh, post practice or at practice, but pff, I mean my freshman year in college, uh, the two days I've told this story a lot, I averaged a fight a day, and if there was a day I didn't get in a fight, the next day I got in two. So you know it's just like you know yeah, defensive lineman hitting an offensive lineman. What really is this? Is it this is not news, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just you know it's egos and it's immaturity and it's all that stuff coming together and it's bravado so i'm not really worried about that i i mean matt nailed it right like if you if you got bear and you plugged him in on that defensive line you've got a defensive line well and everyone else moves down a level right so you're asking less 
of some other guys like that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, if you, you know, Baron Lialu is your starting D line, all of a sudden you're asking, not asking Isaiah Coe and, and um, Jordan Kelly to be first teamers. Now they're, they got limited, they less reps and they're more productive with less reps, perhaps, you know, something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. And everybody... not, not asking Derek LeBlanc to step in when he's not physically ready or, uh, Ashton, or Ashton Sanders, right? Yeah. You, you, you're giving those guys some chance to develop and all of a sudden you kind of have like my article, I called him like a bridge. He's a bridge defensive lineman until the 24 and 20, 23 and 24 D line classes can be ready. Right. So all of a sudden, you know, you've got junior bear Alexander in his, his, in year two, and now he's surrounded by, you know, maybe he's surrounded by PJ Adeboré, maybe David stone, maybe, you know, Williams Winery, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you've got that, you've got a vet, you've got a big piece in the middle and you, you've now got all your young, your young bulls next to him. So. Well, another one of those young bulls from the 2024 class, Chris is JJA. I'll stick with that <laughs> abbreviation. Um, I, on three recently uh, updated some rankings. Uh, JJA was one of the beneficiaries of that. Uh, what, what's going on with his ranking and OU's involvement with JJA? Well, he was, so on three ranked him number 38 in the nation, not 38 in Texas, 38 in the nation. ESPN ranked him 22 in the nation. So he is a fringe, he's a five-star on ESPN and right very close on on three. So when rivals in 247 update their rankings next, I bet they're going to vault him as well. So there's a very good chance that OU could get uh, a third five-star defensive lineman in this class if they're able to close on David Stone and williams Winery, two names we talk about all the time on this podcast. But now Joseph Jonah Ayanje is, is moving into that territory, and he could be, in the, by the time July rolls around, maybe top 30 in the nation on every service and a, and a, and a composite five-star, which would give OU another five-star defensive lineman. Because as I mentioned earlier, everybody is predicting Jonah, uh, Jonah Ajanje to, to OU. He made a real connection with Brent Venables and the soul mission. He's, uh, he seems to be a very religious kid and just really clicked with Brent's just very honest um, you know, honest convictions on the, on, you know, Brent has very honest spiritual convictions and some kids really click with that. I'm not, not making any judgments one way or the other on that, but it looks like Joseph is, you know, made a real connection with Brent. So, so Caleb, if, if, if you're put your, put your future glasses on the hopium glasses that I'm going to send you. Okay. And you're now viewing an OU defense where OU has Williams Winery at one end and JJJ at the other end. Uh, how 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 ugly could this be for SEC offenses in the future? Well, maybe a good good example is scroll back to 2021, the opening game. Uh, obviously, Georgia won the national title that year, and Georgia played Clemson. And I think uh, Clemson, that Clemson defense, held Georgia to three points. I think they did score ten, but one was a pick six. Yeah, uh, that's they right. Only, they did. They, they did. They yeah. only they kicked field goal, and I think that field goal may have been off of another interception or a fumble. You know, they effectively just 
uh, yeah, and that's to me that's what he matches. That's what he looks like. He looks like you know this was it the Henry this defensive end that's uh, yeah. going to go first round. You know he, he's former five star. Miles Murphy, Miles Murphy. That, that's 6'5", you know, 255, 265 coming out and will leave college at 6'5", 270, and it's just, yeah, everything, right? Can rush the passer because he's got good technique and is big and strong against the run, just a complete prototypical defensive end. That's, to me, what he is, uh, you know. And then in that same group, you'd have you'd have P.J. Adebore, uh, who's just a year older, you know, playing. It's, it's pretty wild. What's really interesting about that is, it's not a lot of hopium in the in that Oklahoma's already signed PJ. He's on campus right now, and by they have a massive massive lead for JJA. Yeah, and that's yeah, and saying by all, you know, and a lead everyone, on Williams and Williams on Williams Venere. Yeah, everyone thinks that you know that's where they're gonna that's where he's gonna land, and then. He, and you look at like Williams's top schools and it seems like, oh, he really likes Tennessee and maybe Missouri. And it's like, oh, well, those are recruiting battles Oklahoma should win. It has won and should win for especially for a Kansas City kid. Uh, yeah, I mean, it pretty wild to think that uh, we've how many years was it? Uh, you know, it, rare right here and there that Oklahoma would sign a, a five star defensive linemen right it was you know granger and then uh gerald and then rj and then it was a while i can't think of anyone else that they signed after rj Red, redmond redmond had like a composite kind was of he? yeah a little bit but he was he, it was sort of like one of those he was ranked high by 247 and and the, the other services were like ah we think he's a top 100 kid and yeah and 247 sort of like well we're gonna move it all around and make him a composite five so yeah and, you know, um, it's it's J uh, double J A reminds me in some ways of of PJ. Uh, you know that he's he's heavier, right? I think PJ I think arrived at two hundred and thirty pounds and is up you know north of two forty by all word. You know, uh, double J there he's already north of two fifty. Uh, you know, he's he's that prototype prototypical guy, and it sounds like he's just uh, you know the the type of guys and and what. Brent and Todd, those guys want to build a program around. He's, you know, we joked, you, you joked earlier, right, about how you recruit your own problems. And, you know, then at the same time, right, like the character and the foundation yeah. of the programs, oftentimes it, it, it recruit clicks. these. Yeah, recruit yeah, these. It, the case. it clicks with parents, it clicks with the right kids. We always wondered with Clemson, you know, sometimes we, everybody, and there were lots of stories and rumors, and some people said, oh, you know, there's crazy illegal things going on there because you would see that. You would see these kids like uh, Baris or whoever, these five star defensive linemen would go into Clemson for a visit and then they would just start spouting off. They sound like they've been brainwashed and Clemson just jumps to the top of the list. You're like, what in the world's going on? You know, and I, I, we're seeing it now on the flip side, right? It, it's, uh, you know, it, I think a lot of times it's just they know they're not being sold a bill of goods and the guy across from them wholeheartedly like not only believes but lives what he's saying and people are drawn to that type of you know that that passion and that you know just someone being real with you and, and not being fake. All right well we've got JJA on commit watch this weekend. Uh, we don't have a direct source to say they believe he is committing. So we have not put in an official prediction yet, um, but there's been a lot of crystal balls, a lot of predictions out there for him to commit possibly soon. He will be visiting this weekend. Chris, what other spring game visitors should we kind of have the commit watch uh, on? 
Well, Isaiah Autry is not going to be a commit watch. It'll be, I, I think, just a commitment. Um, Jaden Hardy, the Louisville safety, is coming back on campus. He's been on campus a number of times. A lot of connections to OU. Hayden Durham's back on campus. Now, he just posted he's like down to 11 schools. I'm not really sure how much I buy that at this point. So I kind of want, and he seemed really excited to meet David Stone at the spring game. Like, hey, hey, dude, I'm, I'll see you there. Hey, bro. And so it's like, okay, all right. So I, I kind of wonder if that whole 11 thing is like, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to pull the trigger on something and I'm not going to waste my time with a. He, he got top. excited on, on Twitter too, about Brennan Thompson's speed. Somebody made a comment. Yeah. About yeah. He, he replied back. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's like, it's very much like, you know, I don't know who Kadem thinks he's he's kidding. I mean, you know, and, and maybe he will drag this process out. I don't know. But I, I have him on commit watch, maybe. I think Michael Patterson McDonald has to be on commit watch. So does Devin Jordan, if both of those guys show up and they're supposed to. And Garrett Sexton is announcing May 1st. So I kind of think, like, maybe not commit watch, but if OU's going to land him, they're going to win the battle this spring this spring game, this spring game weekend is going to decide whether he's, he's a sooner or not. So um, if I had to add like a flyer on here, maybe Zion Kearney. Um, So our whole commits by the spring game, little battle contest. um, It looked like I was going to run away with this with my low ball prediction of four. Um, uh, Katie Daniels has erased, has erased my margin. Um, Isaiah Autry could erase it tomorrow. Uh, and and if, if 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 things start flying, Caleb's was it seven, Caleb? I think so. I think I you, 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 I, I went uh, ridiculously high. You, I think you could be like, ah, then we'll never hit this. And all of a sudden, I mean, if we say May 1st, the deadline's May 1st, you might be right on with, with seven kids. Yeah, you know, I, I remember thinking to myself, like, you know, I'll go with seven, and maybe the reason is, uh, you know, after we, you get Mike Hawkins, some of those DFW kids will jump on. And that's where I'd be interested to see if, you know, if like Wesco and uh, Durham, uh, if, if they jump, you know, and if you get Wesco, does Kearney go, hey, like you said, he's trending that way. Does he say to himself, gosh, they've already got two. If I, if I wait any longer, I don't have it. I know, who was it last year? It was PJ. They talked about where he knew where he wanted to go. And they finally had that conversation with him. Like, hey, what if you know, what are you waiting on? And he thought, yeah, I actually have no idea. Like, I know this is where I want to be. I'll, I'll quit waiting. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see if there's any of, uh, I don't, this staff doesn't seem like a hard sell staff, but we've no, talked but about the- this at great length. The numbers of how everything shakes out if you're sitting there, uh, you know, and you're one of these players, you know, hey, they're taking two or three guys at my position, and they've got one. Man, if I don't pull the trigger here, I'm going to be going to, you know, I'm not going to be going here. And the excitement of the spring game, Kyler Murray, a lot of OU alums, a lot of guys who they can talk to about their OU experience. And a bunch of these guys, again, have taken like five or six unofficials. So it's not like they haven't seen I really have a top three. I'm back at OU. It's the place I really want to be. Do I really want to drag myself through three summer, you know, five summer officials and this game, waste other coaches' time? You know, high, high character kids, again, don't want to waste other coaches' time, right? Like, I, you know, I really value these other coaches and my relationship. I don't want to waste their time. I'm, I'm ready to commit. So 
It's not because last year you didn't really have that advantage, right? The kids were still seeing OU for the first time. They didn't have like 12 months of relationships with OU. I mean, yeah, no, that's yeah. actually, that's a really good point that, you know, at this point last year, none of the kids Oklahoma was recruiting, none of them had taken an unofficial to Norman in the fall of their junior year with that staff. And there might've yeah. been some kids, if they had, they were seeing Lincoln Riley and, and Alex Grinch. They were not seeing, you know, uh, Brent Venables and Jeff. Yeah, complete, and, complete work over, right? No, yeah. no guys really other than a really good point. Other than maybe a couple of, couple of, you know, Kale's wide receivers and, and, and Murray's running backs maybe, but yeah. you know, you just, I, I know everyone's like saying it's going to be June, July again. I'm like, well, I, I think they're going to be doing a lot of work in June and July, but they've no. actually, you've, they've, there's a group of kids who could be like, you know, I'm done with this process. I'll take my OU official. I want to help the class. I want to help Mike Hawkins build the class. I'm going to verbal to OU and I'm going to take, and I'm going to, and I'll be there for the big weekend when all the other kids we want are there. So, you know, you yeah. stack, you stack that weekend with four or five, you know, insiders, right. You know, you know, that process, like, you know, <laughs> um, you know, you, you, you stack the deck a little bit. Um, so it, it could work that way, Matt, but it's, I thought there wasn't going to be any like fireworks for the spring game. And like in the last 10 days, it's like, Whoa, what's going on? It got to the point where I had to tell Saptown, like, just keep putting stuff in here and, and I'll update the table with just 24 kids. Cause it's like 25, 26 and 27 kids coming in. It's just silly. And 25 kids coming in who could pull the trigger. That's the other crazy thing. Kevin Sperry, you know, he's a, he's a quarterback wide receivers want to play with. So is Mike Hawkins. So is Jackson Arnold. If you're a 25 receiver, you're looking at things and saying, OU's got like three spots and that's a quarterback you know, dynasty that I can, or a group of quarterbacks I know are going to get me the ball. I don't have to worry about that. Well, if, if some of these guys don't pull the trigger this weekend, they'll have less than two months from the spring game and another big event that is slated to be huge, similar to the barbecue last July. Uh, it, it looks like June 16th weekend is going to be that big weekend a little bit earlier in the calendar. A lot of these guys are a little bit closer, a little early, ready earlier. Um, Chris, who who are you looking to have some official visits, uh, some announcements coming up about that weekend, and who already is committed to come that weekend? Well, just to be clear, OU will still do a late July barbecue. They'll take advantage of that small window in the NCAA recruiting calendar. So they'll, they'll still do that big event. But this, but June 16th is going to be like the big recruiting weekend. So they'll, so anybody who's sort of wavering, they'll have another event in July they can come back to, all the verbals can come back to. And that's kind of what worked for OU last year. So a big weekend in June. And then most of July is a dead period. Then the NCA opens up a small window at the end of July where you could host them, you could host kids again. And that's what OU will use for the big barbecue weekend. So um, right off the bat, OU. I don't know the dates. The kids won't tell us, won't tell anyone the dates, but I can tell you that OU has official visits scheduled with David Stone, Nigel Smith, and Williams Winery, Bryant Wesco, Marcus Easley, um, names we've thrown out here. A new name that's floating around that I mentioned before is Dominic McKinley, the 6'5", 290-pound defensive tackle from Louisiana. 
who visited OU at the end of January, and he does not appear to be locked into wearing purple and gold. So usually I'd be like, defensive tackles in Louisiana, don't don't waste their time. Just move on. But there's some noise there, and he he next to David Stone is your two tackles in the class would be would be something pretty awesome. Uh, I I have a I have a major recruiting car crush for Mr. McKinley. Yeah, I've read is he I've read he's trying to come up to the uh, the spring game. That it's not he's not sure if he'll be there, right? Yeah, we haven't seen anything official from him on Twitter yet, and that seems to be the that seems to be our best baseline. Um, because kids can't late travel plans and stuff like that. Plus, you know, Oklahoma weather, um, not exactly being very helpful for people wanting to drive two days. Yeah. Uh, I think he, the spring day, spring game looks like the weather's good, but obviously, but yeah, he is. And he was there in February for a junior day. Uh, end of January, because February is January. Okay. Yeah, but he was, and he was the name. I was like, who's this guy? And then I pulled up his film and I'm like, holy crap, who? How is this guy not a? How is this not guy knock off fifty offers? <laughs> well, now he is a five star by most folks, and, and now he is a five star. Yeah, and that's interesting because, uh, yeah, I, I've read the same where he said, you know, I think someone asked him, "Hey, are you dead set for LSU? You're a, you know, you're a kid from the boot." And it was, no, I'm fifty fifty. I don't really, you know. And it was like, ah, maybe I'll stay in state. Uh, LSU will be there, but I don't know. Uh, and Oklahoma is one of the schools you mentioned. That, that's, it's wild to think about the potential to land uh, Williams and Wary, uh, you know, Double J A, uh, and then Stone, Stone and McKinley. If they sign four five star defensive linemen, uh, you know, and it's weird that they've got, you know, you would say if they lead for Nwari, uh, you know, J J A is considered by a lot that he may commit this weekend, and then most people think. Uh, you know, that stone is destined back to be in Norman that would leave. Hey, all you've got to do is, is, is went out on McKinley. And, you know, if he's a guy that clicks with Bates, that gives him a really good shot. And the thing that, again, I've wondered about forever, and maybe we're starting to see this a little bit is in the past when Oklahoma would go to recruit these kids, it was ah, as an offensive school that plays in an offensive league in the big 12, it stinks. We play in the SEC. And now you've got, hey, guess what? Like, we're in the SEC, you know? And say what you want. It definitely helped Texas A&M's uh, pitch for kids. They started going. A&M never – I mean, I don't remember A&M ever recruiting out of elite players from Arizona and New Jersey and California. And suddenly when they moved to the SEC, they were able to go and land those kids. So, yeah, I mean – it would be it would be beyond wild to think Oklahoma might be able to land uh, effectively five five star defensive linemen in two classes, and then some other names. Um, Matt would be Zion Kearney if he if he's still if he's still open, or he could be one of those verbals at that big weekend. Braden Platt has a final eight. I think OU is going to get an official. I don't have anything on that. It's just a hunch. Uh, I think he clicked in Norman, and then Jordan Lockhart, the middle linebacker from. Uh, St. John Bosco, I think, is also – he's booked his officials. He's just not telling us when. Nigel Smith as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I, the 16th could be just a star-studded weekend. Uh, that weekend already has Bennett Warren, uh, JJA. Uh, it could have Sammy Brown. Uh, so, could have Bryant Wesco um, as well. So, it's – Samaj Jones. Samaj Jones coming in if that's if that still happens. Uh, uh, Torre Vabu Torre, the safety I love from New Jersey, 
Phil's schedule to come in that weekend. And I think probably Marquise Easley is probably gonna has probably booked that and hasn't yet released it. So we could see just a, just like a just like what in the world is OU gonna do the fifteenth with all these super players on here? And the answer obviously is sign them. So <laughs> I will. Uh, I, so to to Platt, I did find something out just trying to when he released his top eight, trying to we've talked about him figure out you know where's he leaning to would it you know because it had. Everybody from USC and Oregon to Michigan to Oklahoma to Miami, kind of across the entire country. Yeah, and I did. Uh, he's a military kid, so I don't know if it's mom or dad is stationed at uh, at JBLM, so Joint Base Lewis McCord, right there uh, outside of his where he's at now in Yelm, Washington. So I, he did not. I say that to say he did not grow up in the Northeast, or so the, Northwest, got no, so the Northwest rather. So he's not he's tied no to. He's yeah. no, yeah, he didn't grow up like a, you know, down the street from Washington or just up the road from Oregon, recruit, you know, just dreaming to play for those schools. So I'd wondered that with him because, yeah, I, I love him. I love that kid on film. He's uh, on film at, you know, I've joked before, right? It looks like my uncle playing with us at Thanksgiving when we were eight. He's just flattening guys. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if you'd win the Sandy Brown sweepstakes, that's, that would be unreal. But uh, if, if you landed Platt, as opposed to Brown, you know, if Brown ends up being a dog and going to Georgia, that's, you know, that's, it's a one B to one a. All right. Well, a lot of names, a lot of potential visits, uh, a lot, a lot going on between the spring game visitor list and that June 16th weekend. So be sure to check out Sooners360.com. We are tracking all of that. Uh, again, shout out to Saptown Sooner for helping us out there. Um, so check that out on the board. But for now, we'll talk a little bit of spring game. Uh, it is in two days. We're pretty excited to see some of these recruits from the last class for the first time, uh, Jackson Arnold, et cetera. Uh, we'll kind of go over a few things. Chris, uh, who are your players to watch in this spring game coming up? Well, I think the first guy I want to watch, and maybe it's just because um, you know, we tracked on, on previous sites, his recruiting for several years. And his dad was a big presence on message boards. We've all been a part of, I really want to see Kobe McKenzie. I'd love to see Kobe McKenzie shine out because, you know, it's been a, such a long, he stuck with OU through all of this chaos. Uh, and it sounds like he's had a great, great year rebuilding his body, becoming somebody OU can, can rely upon at linebacker. So I really want to see Kobe McKenzie have a big day. Uh, I'd like, to, I, I just want to see Desan McCullough. I mean, it just, I want to see that big, that big body flying around and, and, and see what it can do. And, and then I, I've got to see my, my, my silly, stupid prediction, old big, old big 12 freshman defensive player of the year, uh, PJ Adebore. I got to see PJ. Uh, I, I need to see PJ touch a quarterback on Saturday, at least once touch a blue Jersey, at least once on Saturday. Caleb, who, who you, rooting to see <laughs> you know uh it, it's probably the same guy everyone is i i really do want to see jackson arnold yeah. and just i want to see you know from an arm strength perspective does he spin it like is there a difference in his ball you know uh and his ability to kind of spray the field with that comparative to the other quarterbacks and his comfort level uh, really interested in seeing, you know, and I know they'll have the blue jerseys on and it'll be, you know, two hand touch with the quarterbacks, but just how he moves and how he runs around, how he looks athletically with that group. Really, really interested in, in seeing, 
you know, how he looks. Uh, and then defensively, I'm actually a veteran guy I'm really interested in seeing is, is uh, Jonah Laulu inside at, at three technique. You know, everybody is guys like uh, like Dusty and Teddy and Gabe that have been to some practices. They've raved about him and said he looks really good and really excited about what he might look like, uh, you know, as he just continues to add a little bit more weight, probably needs 10, 12, 13 more pounds to be, you know, in the 290. So I'm, I'm really interested in seeing and in, in how he how he looks. Um, you know, you've already got PJ. Uh, yeah, I think in the other one, he's, he gets talked about so much, uh, but is Jaron Kanak. Uh, it, spring game will be dumbed down a little bit, obviously, from they won't be, you know, game planning and scheming things, and they'll, they'll be really vanilla. But, uh, you know, I just – I, I want to see it same in – and similar to uh, Jackson Arnold, how does he look from a comfort level? Are things do things slow down for him a little bit? Does he run around? You know, just what does that look like at Mike linebacker? Because, you know, in my experience, Mike's just it's it's the picture you see is is very it's it's much more complicated than the picture you see from an outside linebacker perspective. Uh, you know, because you're getting it from from both directions. You know, as where outside linebacker, it's 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 less so you're getting it from one side uh so i'm i'm interested to see that and then uh I, other side offensively you know i, I really want to see uh just Savion Berg and it sounds funny to say but just from a consistency level the guy flashes so much is maybe one of the you know more talented offensive linemen uh Oklahoma's had particularly inside you know from a talent perspective at guard he's you know it's probably Davin Joseph and then him from just pure physical ability. So I want to see if, you know, even if it's just a drive and it's 12 plays, you know, what is this technique and what does this focus look like on those 12 plays or 12 plays at a high level? Or, you know, I think we all saw like some plays in the bowl game. He, he murdered some folks and then some plays in the bowl game, he got high and his hands got outside and he got a holding penalty, you know? So just see the, just kind of just continue to see his progression. Because I do think if, uh, from an offensive line standpoint, I feel really good about Guyton. I think you know what you're getting with the talk with Petwire. Uh, I think it'll be a competition at that spot. Uh, you know, and I, I think we all, I think, you know, you kind of watch and, and see, you know, at the high level, how good uh, Rouse has been when he didn't have that hurt shoulder, you know, considered potentially like a second round pick, uh, you know, going into his, his last year there at Stanford. So, you get Bird playing at a high level. I think you may have something, something really cooking from a dominant offensive line potentially. Yeah, it sounds like Caleb Schaefer, another transfer on the line, had a pretty good spring so far too. So, I think it'll be interesting to see how him and then uh, Caden Green, the true freshman early enrollee, uh, with Rouse out, uh, he he stepped in a lot. So, really curious to see him as well. You know, at that Under Armour uh, All American event. Uh, it was at late December, early January. Um, he looked like the most physically ready offensive he's, lineman there. He slammed that one guy in that in that just little GIF video, right? Yeah, yeah. So he he looked fantastic there, and and we've heard you know great things about how he's looked uh, this spring. So pretty excited to see him out there. Uh, one guy gets hurt on the line, and and you know you might have to rely on him uh, for ten or more snaps a game. I think another guy flying under the radar a little bit. Now, if you've been to our board uh, recently, uh, there's been a lot of talk about Caleb Hicks. Uh, he just apparently looks just a little different than some of these other guys. He's the full package uh, 
curious to see how he looks relative to a guy like Sawchuck who has, you know, elite speed. So it'd be interesting to see uh, Hicks out there as well. So really, I mean, you could throw a dartboard at the entire 2023 class of the guys that are on campus already and say, I really want to see what this guy looks like, because again, we're coming off the heels of a, a six and seven season. We're, we're trying to improve talent across the board. And then you got a guy like Jackson Arnold, who who's really pushing DG uh, either it elevates DG or you've got a guy that you need to rely on early. So um, I really, any of the guys I, I would go with, but um, you know, some of the defenders too, I, I wish Lewis Carter was on campus. I wish Sam Omasigo is on campus. Uh, you guys have already mentioned some of the linebacker struggles that we've heard about. Um, so it'd be curious to see some of those guys, but Isaiah, uh, uh, Kobe McKenzie, sorry, was a, a good answer. Chris, I want to see him. Uh, apparently his, his body is, is leaned up a little bit. He's a, he's got a little bit more speed. Um, so, you know, really any of the guys across the board, I'm, I'm super excited for Saturday. It's yeah. I just think it's Caden green. Yeah, Caden's a good a good call because he, you know, he, he was, you know, rivals kind of loved him, but some of the other services were a little lukewarm. And I think it's perhaps showing right now that the other services have perhaps made a mistake. And Caden probably should have been more like a consensus top 50 kind of kid. Yeah, I, I will say, you know, in the in the all the practice clips that we saw. I think early on we did on one of the pods we talked about, I thought, hey, he'll probably play inside at guard. Uh, cause I, you know, high school, he was a big mauler, but yeah, I mean, I will say in the clips, in the, in the practice clips, he's more fluid. He bends better. He's a little you know, twitchier for an offensive lineman, but he's just a little more athletic, uh, in his movement. I say a little, he's quite a bit more athletic in his movement for a true freshman than I anticipated. I didn't think he would move as well as he does. Uh, you know, and yeah, I, you know, him, him being the the consensus backup at left tackle to Walter Rouse and getting a bunch of reps this year. Hopefully, hopefully Oklahoma blows some folks out and you get him a lot of run. He might be, you know, your plug and play left tackle in, in 24. He, he looks like he could be that good. And I got to say that the Bates has done, done a good job as well. looks like he's working really hard. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the belief that maybe B and B is rounding things better in the shape of the O-line Green and Bates and Taylor and Sexton all looking over the last two springs really good kind of speaks to the theory that, you know, Riley was messing with B&B's offer lists and his take lists, and now he's freed from that. He's starting to get in the kids and the kids he wants, and he's working the kids he wants in there, and and he's starting to get the O-line moving again. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Another thing I'd, I'd be interested to see, I, I doubt they will do that much special teams, uh, but if we can see a, a punt return or two out of Peyton Bowen, I think that would be <laughs> pretty exciting to see too, to see what he's got. Or see who the punter will be. Or see who the punter will be. Yeah, we don't really know. Yeah, I got that. So, But I just, I'm excited it's on ESPN+. Plus. It'll be a great feed, good, good video process. We're not dealing with the Sooner Vision or Fox nonsense, right? You know, after the game, a couple hours after the game, I'll be able to just pull it right back up and watch it again, like 10 times in this off season. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it'll be a pristine copy that we can just go back and look at. Um, and that's a, I, you know, cause the ESPN plus thing has been a big boost, I think for 
uh, well, well, for softball, definitely, but I, and then all the other sports. So I think it's a having it on ESPN Plus, I think is a big win for OU. So who, who would be your one guy if you could just watch him on Saturday? Who would that be? Chris, you want to start? I would just want to watch PJ Adebore. Not a bad pick. I mean, we, we need that impact guy off the edge. Uh, Caleb, what are your thoughts? Oh, Jackson Arnold. <laughs> you know, I just think, you know. And no, you're I, right. You're right. If he if he pulls, I mean, in retrospect, Caleb Williams outplayed Rattler in that spring game, and we kind of all ignored it like, yeah, no big deal. Rattler's going to dominate. He's going to be a – he's going to win the Heisman. He's going to be a first-round pick. And, you know, that's, that was all our – that's what Winkland Riley does. Um, <laughs> right. But in retrospect, you go back and look at that spring game, you're like, man, Rattler sucked. And Williams is making all the big plays. What the hell's going on here? So yeah. if that narrative starts, if we see something, anything close to that narrative again, it's going to be, it's going to be four months of, of, uh, of, of a fan QB controversy. So we'll yeah. See. You know, I, I just think, I, I think, and I said this on the board, I think Dylan Gabriel, for lots of reasons, he's wired way stronger between the years than Rattler was. Rattler, and he's still to this day, I don't understand. Like he, I wish someone would set him down and be like, hey, one of the most important things you can learn in life is to, to not worry about what someone else thinks and not worry about things you can't control. And I'd say the one thing you'll never control is what someone else thinks or believes. So don't worry about it. Right. He gives too much, too much of his time is sitting around, you know, just worried about that. And uh, it's just, he's a weird kid in that regard. And I think it played, it hurt him, you know, he, he yeah, he got the, he got, he let the kid, he let the fans get to him. He let everything get to him. And he let Caleb Williams get to him. He let Caleb yeah. Williams get to him. I think he let a kid and everybody sees Caleb is, I really can't think of, this is going to be a mouthful. I can't think of any quarterback in the last 10 or 20 years that, is, that will have come out in the NFL draft that I think is more talented than Caleb Williams. He's got – the kid's got – he can put some RPMs behind that ball, make any throw off platform or on platform. He is more elusive and a better athlete than Patrick Mahomes. He's built sturdier than Pat Mahomes is. I mean, because you know, Mahomes, you know, uh, Mahomes' lower body is built like mine. He takes some knee issues right here and there. Can can he's he's had them. Uh, Caleb Williams is special, but you know that that jumped out a little bit last year, right? I think it was, and that's where I'm interested to see. And as a site, some of the folks took some some flack from some other media people for saying, "Hey, there might be something going on here between Dylan Gabriel." And, and Jackson Arnold, you know, in a competition and, and some other folks in the media came out and said, ah, oh, that's bull crap. You know, don't know what you're talking about. Anybody that thinks that's crazy. My reply to that was, <laughs> and this is my, and this is what I would just say, right? If there's not to me, this is where I go back to like, I'm more of a scouting hat and I want to see trades and does, you know, how does the ball come off his hand? How does it zip? Things like that. What does he look athletically? If, if Jackson Arnold runs out there, and we've got Dylan Gabriel, who's you know 5'11", 203 pounds, uh, maybe a four seven guy, not you know not ex not real quick twitch explosive. If there's not a difference, like we saw with Caleb athletically via you know versus Spencer, if we don't see that with Jackson, 
and him, you know, one-on-one, like just judging his ball out of his hand and when he tucks it down to run and how he looks versus Dylan Gabriel, then I would be more concerned about Dylan than about Jackson Arnold rather moving forward and him being the all-world super savior, first-round quarterback, him being that type of guy if it doesn't. You know, I, you can remember back, right? Uh, I think it was – I remember Baker Mayfield, the year he was going to redshirt, and, you know, I think it's like he and Justice Hansen outplayed, uh, you know, uh, Trevor, Knight. Trevor Knight, right? Yeah. Those two is like, oh, boy, these two look way better, right? But it was like really clear. I don't think Baker threw – I don't think he threw an incompletion. And the ball popped out of his hand. He was back shoulder, and he was throwing the ball all over the field, you know. So I, that's what I want to I want. I want to see, like, you know. And Baker wasn't a – Top 10, five-star quarterback that, you know, everybody no. knew was fantastic either. No, no, he was not. And he but he, was, had, he had played college ball, so that he was He had played college true. ball, and he yeah. had gone through a summer with, with Texas Tech and a fall, you know. But there's, yeah. you know, from an age perspective, you know, there was only, yeah, there wasn't a lot, you know, it was just one year difference between where Baker was and where, where Jackson is uh, going to be when they, you know, you take a look at, look at those two from a first spring game experience in Norman. All right, Matt, who's your guy since you put us on the spot? Uh, Jackson Arnold. I mean, for, for every reason that, that Caleb just mentioned and, and what we've talked about recently, it's, it's quarterback. I mean, it's the, the premier position on the team. Uh, DG for, you know, he, he's a good player. Did he really win us any games last year? That was his fourth season in college, right? His third as a starter. At any yeah, point I, in the season, yeah, I, I hope I hope DG looks great, Jackson looks Jackson looks great, and we have two two guys pushing each other this fall, and 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 DG, you know, he he's able to 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 hit whatever his ceiling is, right, and make Jackson have to beat the best DG to get on the field, right, and and Caleb, to your point. You know, it seems like DG and Rattler are wired just a little bit differently between the ears. So, you know, you would hope that people like Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you would hope that all world apparent Jackson Arnold would push a guy like DG to, to make it's just one or two throws a game, really, when you break it down that that he needs to hit that he didn't last year. So that margin of error. Might big, not be huge. Big play uh, running, big play running game. I mean, exactly. I mean, I mean, the guy we're kind of ignoring. I mean, we could be all saying we didn't see much out of the quarterbacks, but damn, that Gavin Sawchuck kid is fast. You know, it, it, him or uh, Hicks. I mentioned him earlier. They like him. Yeah, I know they he's think a true he's freshman, faster. But... They think he's faster than everyone's like. Is this kid this same kid we saw in high school? He looks faster. Right. Exactly. So. There's a lot of things going, you know, DJ's way a little bit, you know, going into the fall, there's more talent. Uh, You know, we've talked earlier about Emmett Jones, his impact on the receivers. So, you know, it's it's, just just the consistency at wide receiver could be huge, right? Yeah, exactly. And the offensive line, you know, it's starting to round into, into form early, Uh, you know, beating boss, you usually were waiting until game five or six in the, in the fall, uh, to really see that line come together, but by all reports, they're looking good. Um, so I think you can win games this fall with DG. And if, if Jackson Arnold is just that much better and they think they can win more with him, 
let, let's see it. Let's see it on Saturday. Let's see what he can do. Caleb, like you said, let's see how the ball comes off of his hand. Uh, so that, I'm super excited to see that because we might see him in the fall earlier than we think. You never know. One way or the other, he's the, I mean, him looking, I mean, and again, just purely from a recruiting standpoint, if you have a bunch of 24 and 25 kids that in the stands and J.A. looks like the next OU Heisman winner, that, that's not hurting recruiting at all. Not at all. That's a, a great point. So I'm, I'm sure they're excited to see him just as much as we are. Yep. Yeah. The thing, the thing with Arnold for me is, and I think you nailed it, Matt, like when I think of Dylan, I, he had some struggles last year. I go back and watch a lot of the tape. You see more and more receiver struggles. And we've talked about this and some of the chats, some of the things on the board. Oklahoma didn't have a guy for the first time in a long time where like, hey, we need you to go make a play. They could just throw it to him and he would go make a play. You know, they were in those moments, oftentimes they're really, even if it was, you know, Marvin Mims, the guys were dropping the ball. You look back to West Virginia, it's like, hey, we need to pull away in this game. It's, it's you know, we're up by 10 or whatever. So let's pull away. And then what happens? Like, the guys start dropping the ball. Like, they, they did not help him, right? But that goes back to where I think he's limited is he is more a point guard, and he's going to distribute the ball to folks. And I think in a perfect world, the Spencer Rattler was more mature and, and you know, was – just a yeah, average, just more mature guy. That's kind of what he is. He's going to be a point guard that has a great arm, but you know, distributes the ball, but he's not a, a playmaker. And I think what you look for, what you want out of, you know, I, I'd like to see out of Jackson Arnold and what you do see out of Caleb Williams is, Hey, yeah, if we've got the quick game and it's humming. He can just dump it off and distribute it out to whomever. But, you know, if tight games are won in situational football and those, those, those moments are won by, you know, but a spread offense is built on doing is, you know, it, uh, right. It's, it's find the fish, right? Like we want to isolate our good player against your not so good player and exploit that, you know, hope you see that, you know, whether he just shows flashes of that, you just want to see in my mind that, you know, the potential that shows Jackson Arnold is that he has that is going to be that and will be that in the future. All right, guys, a lot to look forward to here in two short days. Uh, that'll, again, will be on ESPN+. And again, stick to the board, Sooners360.com, for any last-minute visit updates, et cetera. And, and we'll, we, we'll, we'll have a tracker on all the media stuff from the kids when they're, on, when they're in Norman. We'll have that just as we always. Saptown and I will be all over that all, all weekend, so we'll keep tracking of confirming the kids that are in Norman as much as we can. So... Yep, a lot of info on the board, and then we'll we'll have a special little uh, kind of you know after post game reaction. Um, so we'll we'll throw something out then uh, before doing a more formal roundtable next week with the whole crew at three sixty. Um, so guys, great episode as usual. Um, hit up the board. We'll be talking about these players. We'll be talking about the spring game. There will definitely be a. Uh, a game thread going on for everybody's hot takes uh, right as they happen. Uh, so that'll be exciting to see. Uh, so we'll see everybody around the water cooler.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.